You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. <laughs> It's Tuesday, August 4th, just after market close in New York. This is the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington in New York, joined shortly by Mike Shedlock, also known as Mish Shedlock, a writer from thestreet.com. This is the point of the intro where I usually tell you about Jack's intro, but unfortunately today, due to the storms here in New York knocking out power, we're rolling without an intro. Jack will be back shortly. Welcome, Mish. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, pleasure to be on Real Vision. Looking forward to our conversation today, Ash. Yeah, thanks for joining us. You know, Mish, I've been reading you, uh, you know, pretty regularly for weeks now. You've got a really data-driven approach uh, to the way that you think about markets, the way you look at the news cycle, uh, and I find it just really engaging because you're really crisp with your data. There, there's almost always a single chart that really sums it up nicely, uh, and it's going to be a pleasure to walk through some of the work that you've been doing now in the last few weeks. Oh, uh, my pleasure to be on. Uh, uh, what are we uh, discussing today? Um, gold, perhaps? I just did a report on gold. Yeah, I was just going to say, Mitch, how could we start with anything other than gold? Up over 2,000 right now. I know you had a chart on the uh, website, gold eight weeks without a loss. Uh, and then uh, after that, you followed that with a chart today. Uh, that's the the gold uh, COT, the commitment of traders uh, chart that shows the bullish sentiment and, the, and that print over 2,000, 2008 on that last chart. That's a real interesting chart. Um, people talk about uh, short squeezes in gold all the time, and they invariably get it wrong. They keep talking that, well, the commercials are going to cover. They have to cover. The commercials are, are this or that much short. But the commercials are, are really um, two groups of people. One is the producers. The producers are those that mine gold, and they sell it via futures. So they are always short gold. And then there's um, other commercials who are users of the metal. Those are like the jewelry makers. So they tend to be long gold. And then we have the um, broker dealers, the uh, JP Morgans, uh, Morgan Stanley. You know, the broker dealers, they um, take the other side of the trade. And it's typically the other side of the trade of the managed money, of the, of the futures, of the hedge funds, of the little specs, of the small guys. The short squeeze does not develop from uh, the producers or the commercials. If there's going to be a short squeeze, it's going to come from um, the uh, position of managed money. So, and I talked about that today. And although managed money and the hedge funds are net long, a couple hundred thousand contracts or more, there's there's also a component out there that's been shorting gold this entire route. It is a hundred thousand contracts short. And if there's a short squeeze, that's where it's going to be. But the interesting thing about the cut chart to me was as this as gold has risen, um, the normally what happens is um, well, gold typically rallies as the, as uh, the hedge funds manage money, as speculators are adding contracts. This time, gold has actually risen with managed money, the hedge funds. 
uh, being less long than before. So I talked about that in my post today. At some point, I do think uh, fear of missing out, FOMO is going to kick in. And also at some point, uh, these people, the the people that have missed out the rally and have shorted are gonna have to cover uh, their shorts. That's what's gonna drive the short squeeze, not the commercials being short. Right. So basically, you're saying it's a speculative phenomenon. The short, uh, the uh, the shorts are going to get squeezed out here. Hedge funds who have uh, who have been experiencing a little bit of FOMO as that price has continued to rise. What do you see the potential upside momentum to look like on that trade? I don't know, and uh, I'm asked that question all the time, Ash, and my answer is always the same. I don't know. The uh, there's times to be um, long gold. There's times to be out of the gold market. I tend to have a position in gold always, no matter what, because you never know what's going to happen. But um, the worst time for gold is in a period of disinflation when everyone believes the central banks have things under control. Uh, the best two examples of this that I can come up with, and I've, I've talked about this uh, repeatedly, is during uh, the Greenspan years, it was called the Great Moderation. People had a lot of faith in Greenspan that he could do no wrong. Um, gold fell from 850 all the way down to uh, 250 um, in what was called Brown's Bottom after uh, uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer Gordon Brown, the UK liquidated the liquidated their gold right at the bottom, and that and that's actually what made the bottom back in 2000. But uh, the, the the other notable instance was in 2012. You know, gold was was 1800 off off of a high of 1900 and ECB president Mario Draghi came out with an announcement we will do whatever it takes to save the euro and believe me it will be enough yeah the interesting thing is the ECB didn't do anything except for make that statement uh, they did not get into any QE or anything else until actually years later but that statement alone put faith back in that central banks had things under control. And if we look at what's happening now with the various repro crises we've had, it's pretty easy to see that central banks don't have things out of control. And in fact, they're openly meddling now in fiscal policy with recommendations to Congress. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, Mish, talking about other things you've covered, Thomas Barkin and Neil Kashkari, two Fed presidents coming out the same week calling for additional stimulus. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the uh, it's not surprising, actually, given what's what's going on. But the Fed has been complaining for years about Congress or presidents, especially Trump meddling in um, monetary policy. What is the Fed now doing but meddling in fiscal policy? They're, they're telling Congress, hey, you know, we need more free money. That's essentially what it amount, amounts to. Now, you know, there's reasons for it. I can discuss the pros and the cons of it. But for the Fed to be two consecutive Fed presidents just meddling in, in uh, uh, 
fiscal, poli uh, fiscal policy from Congress uh, doesn't happen a lot. I, I expect we're going to see more of it. It's an unsettling mess message actually to gold or it's actually good for gold. Uh, you know, free money is, you know, debasement of the dollar, which is now going down a little bit. But, uh, you know, the big story here is that central banks don't have things under control. I believe that is the real message here behind gold and these two Fed presidents coming out, you know, yapping about, you know, uh, more $600 weekly checks. You know, we're paying people more money to be unemployed than they were making when they were employed. Now, this is something that Trump and the Republicans wanted to fix. But um, the Democrats, of course, don't. But, you know, what's going to happen if we cut them off cold turkey? Maybe there's a middle line in here somewhere. Uh, the, the, the problem is, if we can just get into congressional policy here, we've, we've had months of delays for Congress to figure out what to do. And unsurprisingly, they did nothing. So now they're bickering over it as the monetary stimulus ran out. And that's what's prompted the Fed to say, hey, guys, <laughs> turn on the spigots. So Congress can't come to an agreement, business as usual there. You know, Mish, something else that I'm looking at based on your writing from August 1st uh, is the fact that personal consumption expenditures and real disposable personal income are moving in opposite directions, which seems paradoxical. Yeah, that's uh, that was an interesting chart I put up. And uh, um, normally income goes up, spending goes up. What happened here with with COVID is um, uh, for a number of weeks, we had these stimulus checks going out. People were getting a thousand dollar checks, actually, whether they were even impacted by COVID or not, providing uh, they uh, uh, were their income was under a certain level. It was ninety nine thousand. I think the new level they're talking about now, Congress is uh, bickering, bannering around now is ninety five thousand. But what, what people actually did is um, they uh, took a lot of the stimulus money and they paid down credit card debt. And of course, that is exactly the opposite of uh, what the Fed wants to do. The Fed always wants uh, more credit, more money, more monetary creation, more spending, more debt, which is what it all boils down to, despite the fact that they keep trying to pump more and more debt into a system that's already overloaded with debt. And we've hit a point where uh, actually I think consumers are looking ahead. They're afraid of the time that's going to happen when this stimulus money is going to run out. And indeed it has. And so we're waiting on Congress now for another package. Uh, Congress has been very dysfunctional. They've had months to plan for this and we're still bickering. Uh, McConnell is bickering with Pelosi, who's bickering with Trump. Meanwhile, uh, some people who really lost their job and can't find a job at all uh, are, are on the verge of having the stimulus checks cut off. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
Yeah. So uh, once again, talking about business as usual, both sides blame each other and nothing gets done. You know, it really feels almost, Mish, the situation you're describing here is a damned if you do, damned if you don't circumstance. You have people who are without income through no fault of their own. Uh, and then at the same time, you have the stimulus uh, effectively causing distortions in the way that markets function. So, you know, on the one hand, you have a great deal of sympathy for these people who are out of a job but through no wrongdoing of their own, through no fault of their own. But at the same time, you have these weird imbalances, inequalities, paradoxes that are building up in the system as a consequence of this exogenous stimulus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite something. There, there's a whole, there's millions of people, maybe 15 or 20 million people who are making more unemployed than they did employed. Meanwhile, we, we, we kept all of the nurses, all of the essential services, all the grocery food workers. I mean, you know, they still had their job and they're looking at people not working, making more, you know, than they did. There's, there's an inherent un, unfairness to that, 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 that people see that, and, and, and rightly so. I mean, the, the this is an argument that that I agree with the Republicans on, you know, in principle. The, the, the problem is, you know, there's also a number of people who are out of work simply because government came along and said, hey, we're closing shop. You can't even leave your house, essentially. The, uh, you know, don't go anywhere, don't do anything. Um, the wear a mask, and, and I think we should wear masks. So I'm not criticizing wearing a mask. I'm just trying to convey an attitude of of how you know people are seeing this and and viewing it as un, as unfair. So you know, so they were told that they can't go to work, that their business was not essential, that they're shut down, and so they were shut down. And some of these people, many millions of them, actually you know, have no job to go back to. So they're going to look at Congress saying, well, you know, you're shutting off my benefits here now because of the bickering. You know, so, you know, there's a number in there that sort of makes sense. But meanwhile, the way Congress works is it's all or nothing. Both sides get what they want or nobody gets what they want. And that's where we are now. That's what the Fed is worried about. And actually, rightfully so. Um, but it just comes across as weird when they start interfering, like we've discussed, in fiscal policy. Yeah, it's unusual uh, to, to hear Jay Powell, for example, in his testimony saying, hey, guys, we, we need help, basically. I mean, that was really the that was the simple yeah. message. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it is it is this sense of uh, I, and I, you can't it's hard to blame the central bankers for wanting more support because it's just not forthcoming. And a lot of this stuff is meant to be done on the fiscal side. But we can blame them for a lot of things. And, you know, they try and absolve themselves. It's like, you know, Bernanke. You know, I don't know if you remember what is it? we saved the day or we did it. I forget the, the the headline that we saw back then that was really nauseating to me because it was the Fed policies that got us into this mess. Now, we can't blame the Fed for COVID. However, we can blame them for blowing three consecutive bubbles of, of an increasing amplitude over time. We had three bubbles in 20 years in, in, in 2000, in 2007, and now. So, uh, do, you know, uh, eight and 12 years apart. You know, the, you know, it's crazy. We, and, you know, they don't see it that way. The Fed complains all the time about income and wealth inequality, but the Fed is the number one creator of income and wealth inequality. 
They well, created this mess. Yeah, there's no question that skyrocketing asset prices uh, caused by uh, monetary stimulus have certainly exacerbated to an enormous extent the income inequality that we have in this country. I was just saying you can't blame the Fed for telling Congress to get its act together. Right. I, I, I agree with you on that. It's, it's just because they've complained about Congress uh, interfering in monetary policy, they've opened themselves up to exactly what I said, you know, complaints of of Congress saying, you know, hey, you know, you're interfering now in fiscal policy. It's 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 not a good thing for this to be happening. Let's put it that way. Well, central the, bankers don't like being criticized by Congress, certainly. So I suppose it's good for the goose. Hey, let's let's talk a little bit here um, about inflation and and, and yeah. tie that back in. I'm a deflationist, and I talk about it, and I say, well, we've uh, blown these bubbles. And bubbles are inherently deflationary, and I don't know how anyone can argue against that, but, but they do. And I'm and I'm misconstrued all all of the time. You know, because you know, Mish is an idiot because he doesn't see inflation. Actually, inflation is everywhere, and it's rampant. The uh, it's in home prices, it's in the asset prices, it's in prices of stocks and bonds. That's where the inflation is. Well, let me the, just quote it's you. not in the CPI, but the CPI is a fatally flawed measure. The CPI doesn't even include housing in it. And I'm, I'm working on a chart, and uh, hopefully I'll have it out again next week. I've, I've done these a couple of times before, where I, I substituted uh, housing prices for owner's equivalent rent in the CPI. I, the, in my head, I already know what I'm going to see. I'm going to see... The, the most negative real interest rates the world has ever seen right now, with home prices still going up, um, you know, despite the demand destruction here of COVID. It's really quite amazing. That's where the inflation is. And these bubbles always pop. And the Fed has blown another one. So well, Mitch, let's uh, run on screen right now the chart that you did uh, on July 31st, PCE and real PCE 2012 to 2020. And let me quote you here. Uh, you'd say, these indexes supposedly measure inflation. They do nothing of the kind. The indexes do not include home prices, only rent. The purported medical inflation is a joke. Anyone who buys their own medical insurance will tell you their costs are rising more than 5.9% a year. Anyone in college has not been pleased with the rising cost of tuition and the rent in college towns. And anyone with an ounce of common sense knows the current stock market bubble is a measure of inflation. That's exactly right. And, and here, so I use the word deflation and I'm talking about it you know, uh, uh, asset deflation. And, and uh, actually, I think we're going to have price deflation. I don't know, maybe with the, the, they've printed so much now that we don't see it. But the demand destruction here now off, off, off of COVID and the demand destruction that comes when bubbles pop is, is really quite amazing. You know, the, the, those are inherently de de deflationary forces. That's what I'm talking about. But when you use the word deflation, you, you uh, people tune out Everything else you said about it, uh, even though I'm I'm generally in their camp, that inflation is way understated at the moment. Yeah, 
you know, talking about of, of things that people are struggling with from the opposite side of the uh, of the equation from price stability, uh, you did a chart a couple of, uh, I guess, about a week or 10 days ago, uh, where you stated that over 62 million people had no paycheck last week. That's consistently above or considerably, I should say, uh, above the consensus estimates. The, walk us through that number, how you got to 62 million and why that's something we should be concerned with. The Census Bureau produces charts. Um, and they just started this process about, I think we're in our 13th week now coming up tomorrow. These, these, these surveys come out every Wednesday. And, um, you know, it's, it's on how people are handling to COVID and they ask various questions. And it's very similar, actually, to the household survey that determines the unemployment rate um, uh, that the BLS does um, every month. And for that, the reference week is the week that contains the 13th of the month. But, uh, you know, I was going through that and I just totaled up, you know, all the people who, who said they had no money coming in at all. And it was a shocking number to me. And, and it's just right there. So there's 30 million people that are getting COVID benefits of some sort. They're dipped below that. We've, we've been between 30 and 32 billion, uh, uh, million people uh, for like nine, 10 weeks in a row, something like that. The, the, uh, so call that 30 million. And then this 60 million figure, you know, just really hit me. Now that, you know, th there are people on disability uh, that are included in that. I need to go through that number, actually. And there were actually, I think, 5 million people, perhaps. I didn't report on that number who said they weren't working uh, because they didn't want to. So I need to go through and subtract out all of those. But um, when, when you look at this 30 million people that are actually are getting these checks, um, you know, bear in mind there, there's a whole number range of people who um, are, um, you know, working part time. Maybe they didn't apply for these. They didn't think that uh, or, or not working at all and, and just didn't think they were eligible to get this. There's a lot of ignorance out there. So uh, th there's some number of people and I don't know what it is that's in excess of the 30 million people who are getting these checks. I don't think it's as high as 60 million, but I don't know what it is. But it was like a shocking number to me that, that, that 62 million people, and, I, and that number does not include people who are retired. I, I subtracted those out of the number. Those otherwise, it was, it was around 100,000 people had, of working age had no money, said they had no money coming in at all. And then I'm looking at, at, at states whose uninsurance benefits are about to retire, or about to expire, excuse me. The, there's four or five states that only offered 16 or 20 weeks of unemployment insurance. All of those people, unless Congress does something now, are going to have no money coming in because they didn't extend um, the 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 uh, these $600 pandemic checks. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how many people you know uh, uh, get foreclosed on or 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 at least started uh, you know totally stop paying on their houses or or rent without being any forbearance plan. Those numbers are about ready to jump unless Congress acts like. <laughs> 
right now, as of now, as of a week ago, actually. Yeah, as you point out, the PUA has already rolled off under the CARES Act, and uh, they need to either re-up it or people are, it's already into the period for which people are not getting mm -hmm. paid. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yes, yeah, state unemployment. You know, they said that it expired January 31st. But, you know, that's really a technical date. Uh, uh, the uh, state's unemployment benefits, um, and it's typically on Saturday. There was one state that was Sunday. So uh, uh, as of July 25th, one state, I think it was July 26th, um, benefits expired. So, uh, you know, here we are. People have lost a weekly check already. Uh, you know, uh, it's going to get serious here very quickly now, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, one final chart, July 31st, you also wrote a piece and uh, you quoted a job a warning lights flashing. And you have a chart, continued state unemployment claims in 2020, where you see this bend up in the arc. You see mm -hmm. it peak at around uh, 24, uh, about 25 million, almost even 24.9. And then it rolls down very gently uh, mm -hmm. to 16.5. And then it rolls back over upward. 17 million on uh, people filing these claims. Yeah, that's 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 easy to explain, and I, and I think it's going to continue. What happened? Uh, this is due to states going into reverse. Uh, you know, Florida opened up, Arizona, Texas opened up. Some of these states never really closed down, or or not so much as as other states, say like you know Illinois or New York. Um, but uh, when COVID went into reverse. Uh, or when, when COVID started increasing again, these states backed off and we saw the rise then uh, of, of the uh, continued benefits. And so we're, we kind of stabilized for a while around 17 million or so, plus another uh, 15, 12 million. That's add those two together. And uh, you get your 30 million people who are receiving the checks. And, um, you know, that's about ready to run out here. The uh, when I first posted that chart, someone told me that that 30 million was double counting. It's not really double counting. It's people are either on a state program or a federal program. They can't be both, and they have to apply first to the state level. However, what is double counting, and the reason why the official uh, the official unemployment rate is 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 so low, is a lot of these people on pandemic insurance that are getting these checks maybe worked five hours, 10 hours, whatever. So uh, in contrast to state unemployment programs where you have to be totally out of work, the uh, uh, pandemic portion of this, you know, 12, 15 million uh, uh, people were allowed to collect if they were, if they were working part-time. So uh, it's not really double counting, it's just adding X and Y and that's the reason why the, the uh, based on the reference week, I'm I'm expecting the number of unemployed um, in the next job report, which is going to come out uh, first Friday of every month, 
I'm expecting it to show about 17 million unemployed, but there's another uh, 15, 12, maybe even 17 million people who are partially employed, working very few hours uh, uh, as a result of the renewed lockdowns. All right, Mish. So what does it all mean? Let's bring it all together. We've got these challenges in labor markets. We have uh, problems uh, with managing stimulus. Uh, we've got dysfunction in Congress. No surprise there. Uh, and uh, we've got asset markets gyrating around. You know, right now, we uh, the S&P closed today at 3306. It's like two and a half percent down from an all-time high of 3393 intraday. Uh, that doesn't sound to me like an asset market that reflects the gravity of the pandemic or the economic problems that we've had as a consequence? Not at all, Ash. It's the biggest disconnect in history. Uh, you know, I've called a number of things right, and I've called a number of things wrong. And one of the things I've got wrong, I never thought that this bubble would 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 uh, would get this big again. Uh, the the and, and certainly, you know, from March till now, I. I did not think we were going to make a new high here. So, you know, calling the economy is is a lot easier, in my opinion. Although the economists are wrong all the time, I've I've generally been reasonably correct, uh, at least in the ballpark on that. Certainly on interest rates, which I've been calling for lower and lower and lower. Um, but uh, the we had a, just a huge disconnect. And, and what the Fed has managed to do, and they want to do, actually, they just can't come out and say, hey, you know, we want you all to speculate in stocks. They can't really say that, but that's the message, and people are doing it. And Ash, it works until it doesn't. And, you know, I don't have any insight into when this is going to stop working. And, you know, people claim they know. This gets back to what you asked me about gold. You know, what's your target? I don't have a target. The, the, I can just see, you know, what the Fed is it's doing. I can tell you that I'm positive it's going to end badly. But I would have said the same thing. Two, in fact, I did say the same thing two, three years ago, probably. And here we are, you know, the stock market going uh, well beyond where I thought it would get. It's a matter of being prudent or not or being not prudent. And uh, uh, I think a lot of people are going to get burnt by this, especially the millennials here now who are one part of, of what's going on here. They, 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 they've got this Robin Hood app. I've got... Um, uh, millennial friends that were never interested in the stock market, but they are now. They're going out there. They're 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 you know day trading these the, these stocks in bigger and bigger and bigger amounts, and uh, that's who's going to get burnt by this. It's uh, certainly not the um, you know the hedge fund managers who are you know taking money off the top. It's 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 people plowing in right at the very end. Um, that are get burnt by this. And also the retirees are going to get burnt by this. I, I side with Hussman, if I can throw out a name. He thinks the stock market's going to decline 50% from here. Actually, 80, I think, is his number now. And he's been saying that for several years, and so have I. And you either... You know, you look either foolish now or you look foolish later. But I just don't believe it's wise to invest in what I believe is speculative bubbles. So I'm setting it out in cash, in treasuries. Some people call those bubble, but I don't think so. Uh, and, and in gold and miners. 
So that's how I'm playing it. That's not advice. I'm just saying what I'm doing. The um, uh, because we don't know when these bubbles pop, and and I just don't want to participate in them. I heard if you bought stock on your iPhone, it couldn't go down. That's not. True. <laughs> that's actually the message. You know, I have people telling me, well, it always comes back. It always comes back. It always comes back. Uh, let's look at Japan. If you want to leave with a final thought of, of what I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying it can happen. The, the, the Nikkei fell from over 40,000 all the way down to 8,000 over the course of over 30 years. Uh, it's, you know, is it going to come back? Actually, I expect it will now, but not in any of these people's lifetimes. And, and, and for somebody who's, who's retired and is throwing more and more and more into um, uh, uh, equities uh, because the treasury yield is so low, uh, chasing this rally higher and higher, those are the people who are going to get burnt. And they're going to get burnt big. No one can tell you when. Certainly, I can't. I wish I could. Well, you know, the Nikkei is the ultimate cautionary tale. I think it peaked at around uh, 30, almost 39,000 in October of 1989, and it is still stuck today at 2753. Mm -hmm. so it's a, a truly secular stagnation, generational, uh, sort of lost generations with an S. Not the base case here for the U.S., obviously, for very different reasons, very different economy, very different structure. But the idea that it cannot happen in an advanced economy simply isn't true. It has happened. That, that is correct. I think we're going to see it, um, um, perhaps not to that same extent. Our demographics are, are different than Japan's. By the way, I actually fundamentally, I, I, I like Japan just because uh, I, I think uh, 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 they are going to get out. They're going to escape their demographic uh, deflation at some point, at some point. I mean, and we don't know what the trigger is going to be. And there doesn't even have to be a trigger. But all of a sudden, attitudes change. All the people in, J in Japan that are xenophobic, they, they, they don't want people coming in, they don't want to have kids, whatever. All of that's going to change at some point. And meanwhile, the U.S. is still on a very deflationary piece of a... Um, uh, of a demographic uh, uh, transition here. We're having fewer and fewer and fewer kids. We're, we might be following Japan with a lag, albeit with some differences that you mentioned. But uh, uh, I think Japan's gonna bust out of its um, deflationary uh, impact uh, uh, ahead of the US. We'll see, that's one of the things that I've been watching. Mish, great conversation. Any closing thoughts in the last few moments? Um, that said, uh, readers might want to um, know how to get a hold of me. Uh, they can do so at thestreet.com slash mishtalk. And uh, please uh, tune me in. I do three or four posts every day, seven days a week. And actually, Ash, I do not believe I have missed writing a post a single day since March of 2003. I've worked continually. <laughs> 
every day. Now, on Christmas, it's just Merry Christmas. On New Year's, it's uh, uh, Happy New Year. But actually, I believe I've gotten something out on my blog. It's gone through uh, Blogger to my own on WordPress and then to the Maven and now to the street.com. But I, I've been writing about uh, stock market, the economy, gold, interest, all from an Austrian point of view every day since 2003. That's a pretty long record there, I think, Ash. Mish, quite a streak. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be on Real Vision. I look forward to the next time. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.